You're listening to The S-Rank on the Triple S Studios Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The S-Rank. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm your host, William. And today, our special guest is Rachel Fannin, who sung Crimson Cloud on Devil May Cry 5. Rachel, we're so honored to have you here. Can you tell us a bit about um, how the Crimson Cloud project came to be? Like, how did you get onto that? Yeah, um, I was actually invited by Jeff Rona, uh, who was uh, the composer for the track that I sang on. Uh, we were friends for a long time and he was, uh, he was looking for somebody who could sing and write lyrics and, uh, but could sing in like a more aggressive style. And I guess there's not a lot of singers that, uh, are up to going there. So I I, I was really curious because you said it was for a video game but I've never actually uh, done any work prior to that for a video game so uh, I was just intrigued in general by that by that idea and so I said yes and that's essentially the the short story as he asked me okay so you've done you've done work for uh, like clients before like for commercials and things were you kind of in new territory or did it sort of feel familiar because you've done other client work? Yeah, in that regard, it was familiar. Um, I like being told what to do. <laughs> so I find direction really helpful. It wasn't overwhelming or anything. It was cool. It was fun. For sure. And then when, okay, so when Jeff contacts you, um, you go to the Capcom studio or you go to Jeff's studio? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the <laughs> good question. Uh, the initial session was at Jeff's studio. Uh-huh. Um, he invited me over to listen to the, the instrumental, which I was immediately like, oh, shit, this is like next level. This is going to be so much fun. Uh, and he started to... Uh, tell me a little bit about the game. Um, I have friends who have played the game. Uh, and so I didn't know, like, but I didn't know the whole story. So mm-hmm. we we basically, over like the course of a few hours, I wrote some some lyrics down that day, that first day. And then eventually we tracked the vocals at the same studio um but to like more directly answer your question um the yeah the cap the creative team at capcom from japan was like we want to we want to see this girl do this live like right in front of us and maybe we can get like a crazier take that way and i was like for sure let's <laughs> let's do it and um so at that point they actually flew out to uh to do that and we ended up recording that at a studio in hollywood at the musicians institute um which was just like a beautiful studio um so you had the team at capcom come to see you sing but i saw this interview i think you did it with variety after the game came out 
And Jeff says that you actually went with the original vocals that were in your first demo. Correct. Yeah. Um, so during that like session where uh, the creative team came out and visited, um, I had been doing like a lot of uh, work before that. And so my voice was like a little blown out. Um, and so I was super bringing it for the for the team uh, at the Musicians Institute where we ended up doing that. Um, but yeah, I by the end of by the end of that session, that live session, I just thought, wow, you know, like the original take that we got uh, when it was just me alone is a little uh it was just better like I I probably was feeling like shy or something I don't know you know when you're being observed like things come out differently so definitely we did end up keeping the original uh the original take which I think is great yeah it was pretty cool that's awesome so you said that some of the first lyrics that you wrote were at Jeff's studio. Do you remember what the what exactly like the first words that you put down on paper were? <laughs> that is such a good question. I should have kept that actually. Uh I I might have it somewhere. Um I don't remember, but I just started doing like a stream of consciousness like after, as he was telling me like the story of the and what this character's like concept was, I thought, wow, this is so interesting. So I think I might've written down something like Brothers in the Dark first um, and just kind of began to get into it from there and almost just like instinctually letting the music, letting the music sort of guide the energy of the lyrics and then what I was learning about the character and like the overall arc of like the Virgil, Dante, then through like the Dark Knight, then through like this series, I was like, wow, okay, this V character is a long time coming and is so such a divergence from like the Dante Virgil thing. So I was trying to put like, be super extra with the lyrics because I knew that uh like I could tell that DMC fans were going to be listening on the topic of writing lyrics uh about how long did you spend writing the lyrics I probably spent a total of only like two hours really basically yeah like putting them down and then sort of like arranging them for different parts um Jeff really wanted like different different um, parts of the song to be more intense. And um, even though like the overall intensity of that track is super high, right? <laughs> so I was trying to figure out like ways to uh, like sing different parts and uh, yet like scream different parts and what part, like what lyrics worked better in that like screaming energy versus like singing. Uh, so yeah. It did take some time to figure out which, like, which lyrics would be cool to sing versus shouting. <laughs> what was the uh, the split between yourself and Jeff, uh, lyric writing wise? 
were you mostly the one the helm there or was there some split in the work i wrote all the lyrics oh, okay. uh, <laughs> he, and, and he wrote all the music oh excellent yeah so so that's really cool like it, it definitely felt like i was given space to just get like really poetic with it i i love poetry for whatever that's worth and so <laughs> I this was fun for me because I got to like really like be the poetess inside and bring that out and have I just find the V character super poetic as well so he totally is um and that that makes me want to ask um you had to do your own research on this character but how much exactly did Capcom provide to you about V and about his story did they did they like paint the whole picture or like no, like they were super secretive, um, <laughs> which is understandable. And I really uh, respected that. I thought that was really cool. I knew that that character was going to be brand new to the series. And so there needed to be a lot of mystery. Uh, and so I don't know, I almost kind of just tried to look through what they gave me uh, to, I, you know, I got to see like, actually, I got to see some of the, the gameplay uh as well when i was given like the the prompt of the characters so that was cool they gave me enough they gave me enough to get get cool with it so yeah so you said that your some of your friends had played the series before like the devil may cry series do you play video games often like have you i don't i no? <laughs> i've been so no i've been so i i work a lot and and when i'm not working uh, I try to go outside and just like balance my uh, my mentals with like outdoor time or like um, just listening to music. I do listen to a lot of music. And you make a lot of music too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also like I ride motorcycles and I work like I have a couple motorcycles. So I definitely try to like for my own mental health, like do things in the real world to bring me out and balance me and then before and then I go back into like being on my computer for like three <laughs> days straight um but if that wasn't the case I might play games like I <laughs> I did grow up in the early days of I don't know if you guys know the game Quake um oh, yeah. that yeah that was the game that was like huge when I was a kid and we like almost weren't allowed to play it because it was so intense um <laughs> and like the first like budget um Grand Theft was also super popular when I was a kid I'm 35 years old so this was like way back and um so those were the games that I actually got to play and was interested in as a kid but then I, as soon as I graduated high school I like got into a band and was touring all the time. I, I wasn't sitting, I didn't have like a computer to play the game, the games that I was into anymore. So yeah, it just, unfortunately I diverged there. Yeah. I want to get into that because you have a really interesting career path. You've been in several bands and done several collaborations. So the band that you're referring to out of high school, was that Sleepy Sun? Yeah, I, um, I, so I graduated high school and I moved to Santa Cruz and I started going to school there and I had like my own pet projects there. And while I was, uh, there, I met the Sleepy Sun band before they named themselves Sleepy Sun. They were called Mania 
and they were like a cool like blues rock band and I thought they were like really tight as a band um and they actually invited me they were like do you want to come like record an album with us in uh Vancouver and uh I was like yeah (laughs) not really thinking about the logistics of that I just said yes and it ended up totally changing my trajectory and it was amazing yeah so sleepy sun was like the first real real band that i got to be in well we are vancouverites <laughs> what was your oh, <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's oh that makes so much sense <laughs> yeah um what did you think of vancouver uh when you were there i guess for the album it's beautiful it's so beautiful um we spent a good amount of time going back and forth between like some of the islands uh victoria and bc and it was like it was so cool it was so beautiful um and everyone that we worked with there and met there were like so beautiful and so lovely yeah i had a great time the energy there back in like 2000 i guess it would have been like 2008 or 2009 it was it was really good yeah and then so after after you record with sleepy sun what is the next project that you move on to okay so after sleepy sun i ended up making an album with mike watt and cedric bixler cedric bixler is the singer of the mars volta and at the drive-in and they that that group approached me to do some singing for them uh so i like recorded some vocals for an album that they put out and had a really good time doing that that band was called anywhere Super interesting, like folk, math, rock, jammy, really fun for where I was at at that time. So yeah, from Sleepy Sun, I did a short stint with this band called Anywhere. And then immediately after Anywhere, I was asked to go on tour with a band called The Fresh and Onlys. And they were like an indie rock band with like a couple really cool catchy hits at the time also from San Francisco, like the Bay Area of California. So I did like a year of touring with them, which was super fun and playing keyboards and singing backup. And so then from the Fresh and Olneys, I moved to Los Angeles and I tried to start my own band. Um, I'll stop there. But yeah, I tried (laughs) to do my own thing at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've listened to your songs and they're just they're so beautiful honestly i think my favorite is probably princess of swords i really i'd love that one um thank you so much of course it's just it's so interesting to me how you're able to throw your voice especially when you were behind the mic uh for crimson cloud like most of your personal songs are very like light and soft what was it like getting into the the growl and the aggressiveness of Crimson Cloud. Like, how do you do that? (laughs) Yeah, thank you for saying that. That's really sweet of you. I, um, while I was in Sleepy Sun, during the live stuff, like I spent three years touring with that band and being on stage every night and having a lot of space to like explore my voice during that time. Uh, And I would also say that I am a huge Bjork fan and like her yeah like her style of 
growling and shouting and really like opening up that that style like I just was like this is so cool I love the way she sings so I was trying to like incorporate that into my earlier vocal energy so yeah I mean I and you know for what it's worth like I haven't actually consistently pursued um releasing like everything that I've recorded on my own so I and I often get asked to do different things for different projects so I I've never really felt like that I was consistently one style of singer and I I just decided that that was totally cool and I didn't need to have like one style that I could do if I could do whatever I wanted to do that I would and I would just I just decided to sort of let each project build my career and build my uh, style. And yeah, everything I did sort of influenced the next thing, whether it was like polar opposite or similar. Uh, so yeah, that's an interesting question because I, left to my own devices, I, I'm not a shouter or a screamer. I'm like, yeah, like whispering and <laughs> singing, like singing jazz or something. But um, but yeah, it's never. I guess I haven't really ever thought about it too too hard. But that's a good question. I I wanted to ask you about the Crimson Cloud music video. How much creative input did you get on that? Oh, none. Yeah, none. none. <laughs> they they yeah. had it all totally planned. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I, you know, had the distinct pleasure of just like showing up and getting to wear these amazing clothes and getting to wear <laughs> these amazing like makeup. Um, the concept of the video was created by my friend, Aaron Silverstein, who is an amazing director. He has done a bunch of like super artistic personal projects as well as other music videos. And shout out to Aaron. He did such a good job of working with both Jeff Rona and Capcom on how to like make exactly what they envisioned they had some restrictions and some stylistic things that they wanted to like convey and come through so uh Aaron wrote a treatment and went back and forth with the creatives about it until they finally they finally made this uh sort of like I think the core idea was was to have me also be my own V be my own virtual V uh and so, you know, I've got darker, like, ha demon character, but then I also have this, like, frail, statuesque character, you know, and I just thought it was, like, so fun. I just like being painted up and having the cool clothes and getting to sing to the song and stuff. It was the most fun. Absolutely. Like, it's, it's nice. It's nice to, you know, start a project and then see it through the whole way. But it, it's also nice to be able to just, like, walk in and have, like, someone else direct you and just give the whole vision right there. Hey, everyone. It's William. I hope you're having fun listening to these. We're having a lot of fun making them. Consider following us on Twitter and Instagram at the S Rank Podcast and uh, spread the word. Tell your friends. If you know someone who might be interested in obscure video game history or just really likes to have a good time, consider sending them our way. Enjoy the rest of the episode. 
so I want to backtrack a bit to your um, songwriting. There's this there's this one lyric, and yes, it's... talk to me. <laughs> if you have to ask, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> that one. Um, that I I've tried. I've made several theories on what I think it could be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would love to hear it from yourself. What was the if you even remember what was the idea behind that one um you know to tell you the truth it's quite simple so i don't want to burst your bubble or anything or any Aww. theories that are out there but <laughs> you know um like if you have to ask it's too late that's just kind of like a saying right that you know if you have to ask like dude you're already too late to this party like uh so it's not it wasn't i didn't have any like super deep layered intentions with that lyric specifically other than to say like if you're just coming in on dmc5 um you know and you have to ask all these questions like what's going on or whatever like it's too late for you like you you should have been here from day one but whatever um but i would actually love to hear your theories about this i mean okay so what i thought it was is since V is Virgil, I thought it was basically like because he spends the whole game basically trying to reunite himself into one person. I thought that it was just like if you have your suspicions about this guy, it's too late because he's gonna join back in his body, and it's it's too late for you. It's over. Virgil's here, you know. Yeah, yeah, um. <laughs> yeah. That's great, actually. That totally works. It works, I guess. <laughs> so. The lyrics, uh, when you finished them, who approved like the final product of the lyrics? Was it Capcom? Did did they leave it to you and Jeff to? It was Capcom. Yeah, yeah. they actually they 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 absolutely have final say on every everything that they do and everything that they put out, which I think is great because that's essentially like quality control and brand management one hundred and one. Uh, they wanted to make sure that everything felt true to the story and true to the brand and true to the characters, um, which I totally respected. I thought was really cool. Did did they have any tweaks uh, in any of the lyrics or any of the track that you not can recall? Not that I can remember, actually. No, not, not off the top of my head. I think I did a good job right off the bat. And if there was any negotiations... I didn't know about that. <laughs> That's great. Um, and then you met the, you were saying earlier that you met the Capcom creative team when they flew from Japan. Is there anything that you can remember that they said to you that just like sticks with you even now? Uh, no, no, no. no. Um, I mean, they, it was, you know, until the, until the end of the session, it was quite separate. They were in the sound booth with the engineer and with Jeff and they were sort of going back and forth between um, themselves and then communicating to me. Um, I know that they just wanted it to be very raw and very visceral. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the session, uh, we just got together and did a little talking, um, but nothing like super deep about the game, mostly just about, you know, I had like humble bragged that I had been to Japan as a kid and, so I tried to speak a little Japanese with them and that made them laugh because that's <laughs> totally adorable, right? And so, yeah, I mean, other than that, they were just super gracious and super kind um, as, you know, Japanese 
culture goes, it was just, I, I'm always floored by the respect and floored by um, the kindness and the enthusiasm of the Japanese people overall. So it was just a total honor to even like meet them and work with them. Absolutely. So when the song is finished and you've probably moved on to different projects and things, do you remember the first time that you either heard it in a trailer or heard it in the game? Um, you know, I think before it was released, it was shown to me. And then I believe the first time I heard it, uh, I heard the version that was in the game was after the game had come out and um, Jeff had texted me and said like, oh, the video's up. We already have like hundreds of thousands of views on this, like go check it out. And I was like, whoa, 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 this is way bigger. <laughs> this is way bigger than I thought it was. And, um, and you know, like, I, I believe it was even like two or three months after the original song had come out, like there were already covers and stuff of it. And I was like, wow this is so cool this is huge so yeah that was the first time that I heard it was afterwards because at at the time actually I was going I was on tour with another band um I think at that point I was on tour with Black Mountain right. who are from Canada as well from Vancouver, Vancouver. <laughs> yeah and so I yeah I'm always like the last to know but but when I did finally hear it I was so impressed at how it came together because it was it wasn't it wasn't different like sonically but it had been rearranged to match different love uh different parts of the game and did you did you ever get a chance in i don't know you probably don't have the much off time but uh did you get a chance to play as v and listen to the theme in the background ever no but i've watched like some people's videos of them playing uh to the song and oh my gosh it was like kind of uh I was like, oh, I don't know. It was almost like a blush moment. Where I'm like, oh, people are listening to this all the time. <laughs> and like, you know, the comments on videos between like, oh, well, we like Devil Trigger more or we like Crimson Cloud more. And I think one of the coolest things about, um, well, I think one of the thing, the coolest things about the Devil May Cry community is how enthusiastic they are about the music and the soundtracks of each game. Um, that's so special that's so unique and uh, just to see like fans uh, getting used to Crimson Cloud was really cool uh, I saw a lot of comments like I hated this song at first and now I can't stop listening to it and that's like the highest compliment to me like, You're, thank you well that's us we're the we're the crazy devil may cry people by the way um awesome. <laughs> we're the ones that are you know making theories dissecting every which part of the game especially with the devil may cry series that started out as you know like a very not basic hack and slash but like you know it was like the definitive just like the it, the game's for the combat right and it's evolved into this game about the story and it's really amazing seeing the community come together to basically just like reinforce the ever building story that is started from the first game which was released in like 2001 that's crazy that's so that that's honestly that feels like so long ago i, I was looking <laughs> at the graphics from the first game and i was like oh my god <laughs> exactly exactly uh on the topic of the devil may cry community were you ever briefed by anyone from like capcom or a friend of yours about 
the amount of exposure that your music was going to get immediately as soon as it hit the internet? I wasn't, you know, I, it's a great question. No, I honestly didn't know what to expect. And I don't think that people actually necessarily put it together that it was me as well, because like Aaron was saying earlier, my other work is so far on the other side of the spectrum sonically that um, I I guess I was almost afraid that if uh, DMC fans listen to my other music, they would be disappointed because oh. it, is, it isn't as intense or as, um, yeah, rocking. But uh, it was it was amazing to get all the positive feedback on Crimson Cloud. I mean, truly, like, I was floored by all the feedback and all the fan love. I'm still floored by it, you know? Especially, like, I'm on Twitter, and um, I think, like, the most attention and the most, like, retweets I get are when I tweet, like, photos from the, from the video or, like, just, like, a cover that I like of somebody doing a cover or something, and it's really, it feels so good. Do you feel that the support from Crimson Cloud spilled over into your personal projects? Do you feel like it gave you more fans in a way you know honestly no honestly i i didn't see a huge spike i didn't see like a huge jump i think i i don't know if that was sort of like intentionally or like a thing when it was released but there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of um attention or spotlight put on myself specifically uh, which is totally fine by me. I had no expectations going into the the process. Um, so no, I didn't actually see like a, a like a blow a, a blow away like wave of new fans or anything. Would that be cool? Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but we have to I fix that right here. We're telling all you DMC <laughs> fans that end up listening, go stream Rachel Fannin's music. It is so beautiful. It's like, I think my favorite stuff that you do is the lo-fi stuff because that's just really like during the day it's like oh yeah I'm blasting crimson cloud like all day during my day but when it's time to unwind get out the you know the older albums and the older singles it's 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 really nice thank um, you yeah I appreciate that <laughs> and you do more than just sing as well you you play the drums uh do you play any other instruments I'm sure you play plenty <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I I did the math the other day. I've actually been playing drums for almost 20 years. No, yeah, almost 20 years. I play the drums, I play guitar, I play bass, I play piano. Um, I used to fiddle uh, and I play a little bit of clarinet. So <laughs> I love music. I am a music nerd music is (laughs) music is my shit um and so I I just I mean that is my video game maybe if if there if there's like a correlation it's I feel engaged by it on that level and I feel um like I don't want to I don't want to walk away from the drums I don't want to put the drumsticks down or like I don't you know it's hard and then when I'm not playing I'm thinking about wanting to play so 
I love music. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. I think uh, having that sort of appreciation for music, like you were, you're just sitting thinking of wanting to play. That's really valuable for creating really quality music. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it also comes from maybe like a stimulus that you get in your brain from using the part of your brain that that's like activated from music. Mm -hmm. uh and i think that maybe that's untapped like if you think about if you think about the history of humans uh like we've had musical instruments for for a minute and (laughs) that's basically it right and i love to think about the way that different instruments have affected our brain chemistry and the way that we engage the world as well humans were you know getting off with instruments like decades you know hundreds thousands of years before a video game so <laughs> yeah. it would be like a, ret- a return to your your inner human or whatever yeah i'll have to i'll have to get back on the grind on my piano um on the on the topic of uh your talents and stuff like that if you could only hang on to one of them so that being like uh your your singing your songwriting your drumming any of the instruments that you play um which one would you keep and why that's so hard um i guess singing the easy answer it's like the most therapeutic and the most uh the talent that i have the most control over so yeah i would pick singing for sure yeah no that's that's definitely fair enough you've got quite the range in itself it's like multiple instruments (laughs) yeah totally i i want to ask you uh about making music during covid how has it affected the way that you create music now do you think that you find yourself with more time do you miss the stage that is such an interesting question and i know that all musicians are all gonna have like a different answer to this right we're all different we're not all the same uh but for honestly for the first six months of the lockdown i didn't know what to do with myself I because I was almost in shock that it was actually happening almost like waiting for it to go away in order to be uh permitted to do music or something um you know backstory for me is that the day the World Health Organization announced there was going to be a lockdown was the day I was supposed to go on tour with Pussy Riot and uh so we were yeah that was that was basically an eight-week tour that just disappeared no and so I just me and the girls were the other girls in the band we were just like oh my god like is it on is it off are we gonna push it back is is it oh it's off it's off and so that kind of just I kind of just got super depressed for a while and it wasn't wasn't uh, until maybe like July or August that I started shaking myself up and saying like, okay, keep doing music. And so I just jumped on my computer and kept making my own music. Um, I released a couple of singles last year. I'm about to release a few covers and then after that, a few singles. So I finally got my music hat back on. I'm finally back on track. I sort of had to just let go of the fact that live shows in the way that we knew them before, we're not going to be back right away. And that I needed to just keep making music regardless of that. So 
that's been my personal experience with that anyway. That's just devastating with, because I knew about Pussy Riot before I know, knew about you. And then when I found out that you were in Pussy Riot, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> um, I, I also saw a couple of, I think, comments on Twitter that were asking how you got into that in the first place. Yeah, I was asked like I like I I'm so lucky. I have some mutual friends that are musicians that I was playing with uh, a few years ago, and um, one of the founding members of Pussy Riot was wanting to put together a live band to do these awesome tracks that she put together, and so uh, one you know one morning I just got a text from a friend of mine that I had drummed for before. And he was like, oh, hey, do you want to drum for Pussy Right?" And I almost thought, wow, is this a joke? This is like next <laughs> level. And he was like, no, it's not a joke. Uh, this member lives in Los Angeles right now and she wants to get like a drummer. And I told her about you and I was like, cool. <laughs> um, and I'm, in no, I'm by no means like the best drummer. I just love drumming and so I thought oh shoot like should I should I step up to this should I do it and it only took me one night to sleep on it and I was like this is awesome like just do it you know the worst thing that can happen is you get fired or something and you can still say you got fired from (laughs) pussy so either way it will be cool and yeah so I just shortly after that started rehearsing with her and rehearsing with a guitar player and yeah the rest is history we we I got to play maybe like a dozen shows with them before the uh COVID lockdown happened Mm -hmm. well um we are reaching the end of our time with you here um I just want to say it has been an absolute joy talking to you you are so nice and you've given us so much insight on your career and crimson cloud i just can i give a shout out absolutely go wild so one of the questions that you asked me um that i thought was really interesting and kind of prompted me to do some of my own research were covers of crimson cloud Um, yes and so often like people that do covers don't get like the recognition that they deserve and their their track is really cool and so i wanted to give a shout out to three covers that i thought stood out the most um obviously uh Lacey Johnson music okay she did a really great job so shout out Lacey Johnson music um she even drew on herself to do the cover she like I think I saw that one yeah it was cool um okay there's another one that had a intense nine inch nails vibe which I loved and it was by a user named devil punk uh 2077 so devil punk 2077 you (laughs) killed it it was amazing and then the last one i saw that i really really liked uh was by a user named little v mills and it had just a shredding speed metal energy i like cranked the volume as soon as it came (laughs) on so little v mills you got me Little V Mills, he's uh, he's made a name for himself for sure uh, in in our world of video game music, and his cover of Crimson Cloud is awesome. Just like 
I, I leave my phone just on shuffle. It'll come on your, your obviously the original Crimson Cloud, and then it'll go right next to <laughs> Little V Mills's version of Crimson Cloud next. I'm just like, hell yeah, this, this is awesome. So heavy. So heavy. So good. So fulfilling. It's great when a song really grabs you and makes you want to. yeah yeah absolutely um well thanks so much for having me this was awesome i really appreciate getting to talk to both of you of course thanks so much for coming one last thing um before we let you go um what can we expect from you next and what can uh listeners of our podcast where can they go to find your music what are you putting out i am about to release a few covers i uh have a spotify and an apple music itunes page i also have a Bandcamp fan club where i release stuff that i don't release on spotify so if you're like all in on Rachel fan and stuff join my fan club you can join it for like a dollar a year it's it's not like a money maker it's just for people who want to hear things that I don't push onto Spotify right away um join my band camp fan club is adorable but yeah I have a lot of stuff coming out on Spotify lots of collaborations um some original uh, and some songs that I've just always wanted to sing but never pushed myself to do it. So, yeah, please follow me on Spotify or Bandcamp. Either or is going to get you some good. <laughs> yes, it will. Again, thank you so much, Rachel. And uh, stay safe and good luck with everything you're doing in the future. Thank you so much. You guys, too. I appreciate it. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the S-Rank this week. We have new episodes coming out every Saturday, so be sure to keep tabs on our social media at the S-Rank Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We also have a YouTube channel that you can find through our website, triplesstudios.ca, where we post many game documentaries. They're super fun. Check them out. I'd like to give a special thanks to Rachel Fannett for being our wonderful guest this week, and uh, another thanks to everyone listening. I appreciate you. We'll see you next Saturday.